Hello, everybody. You're probably thinking, hmm, Travis sounds different today. And yes, I'm currently getting over a slight cold from last week, and I'm actually not Travis. My name is Finner, and I'm currently interning with the amazing team here at Fool and Scholar Productions. And I'm here today to tell you about the last city. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. A geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors like Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Torado, and Maury Sterling. You can follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. A big thanks to Wondery for supporting shows like The White Vault. And now, on with the scheduled programming. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Travis. And Caitlin. We are Fool and Scholar Productions, and we're here to answer your questions. That's who we are, and what we're doing. So, in just two weeks, The White Vault comes back on October 2nd. Season 2. I know, right? It's, <laughs> it's been forever, hasn't it? It feels like it anyway. We've done a live show, we've done... What else have we done? So many things. Another mini-story artifact, which is available at people on Patreon and also on our website. And, we were uh, working on Liberty, we were moving house. Yeah, we, we moved across the country. Um, really quick though, those of you who are a part of our Patreon team at the $5 level or more on October 2nd through October 16th, 2018, we'll be mailing you all a very special gift, a unique patch. It is an iron-on patch, just like the ones we sell on our website. You can also sew it on if that's more your thing as well, but it's a rocker, which means it fits around our current circular patch design Uh, like a one-quarter health bar in a video game. It can also be appreciated on its own, and the patch will say Outpost Freestead 2018. It'll be kind of a crescent shape, and we will be printing them exactly to order, so they will never be available again. And the reason they will only be available uh, through 11.59 p.m. on October 16th, 2018, Eastern Standard Time, is because we needed a little bit of extra time to share a few pictures of just how cool they are on social media so you guys can get an idea of what they're going to look like. Uh, as of the time of recording, we are still finalizing a mock-up, and uh, we look forward to sharing it with you. A link on our Patreon page is in our show notes, and again, this is the only time you'll ever see this patch. But we have some questions here that people have been asking, dying to know the answers to. Thank you, everybody who has submitted questions for this Q&A. There are quite a lot of you, and we are going to try to get to as many questions 
as we can. And I have a big list in front of me, so uh, we'll start chipping away at this pretty soon. But either before or after this Q&A, you are going to hear a wonderful story called... Selling Ledford Manor. There you go. (laughs) Um, Selling Ledford Manor is a spooky comedy short about a real estate agent who tries to sell a haunted manor. I wrote it as part of a competition, and it won, and it was performed live at the Vault Festival. (laughs) Haha, why Vault? Vault Festival. Vault Festival in London. And uh, we also produced a version so that we could share it with you guys. So we hope that you enjoy slash enjoyed, depending on if it comes after or before this, Selling Ledford Manor. (laughs) So let's start up with these these exciting questions. All right. So our first question comes from Regay in the White Vault Facebook group. And he asks, how do you write this series? This is a very large, broad question. There are two very, very general houses when it comes to writing. There are the plotters and the pantsers. Pantsers are the people who fly by the seat of their pants and they write as they go. But I am more of a plotter. So I have everything written down. I start with what I want to accomplish in an entire season, usually with one paragraph, and then I break that paragraph down into a sentence per episode, and then I break that down into an entire outline per episode, and then I go through and I write each episode. There's a lot of research involved, and it takes a lot of time to really get the feeling that the way that you're writing portrays character voices very well. When you say there's research, how much research goes into an episode of The White Vault? I wouldn't be able to say per episode. It's more of how much research I do during the outlining phase before I begin really digging in deep to writing dialogue. So I do a lot of research. Usually I'll do about a week or more of in-depth, full-time research. Uh, And then after that, I'll feel like, okay, I have all of my notes. I have all of the important information that I need. And I can begin. And I'll have to stop every once in a while, like most writers say, and they'll say, oh, I really needed to look up a, a figure or a fact here. So, you know. Willem Behrens. What? <laughs> Willem Behrens, oh, the yeah. famous explorer. <laughs> yeah, I, I know much more now, uh, <laughs> much more now than I ever knew before <laughs> about uh, Svalbard. And uh, yeah, I mean, I heard a lot of people say they didn't even know that Svalbard was a real place until they tried to Google it. And they were like, oh, I thought she made it up for the story. No, Svalbard's a real place, guys. <laughs> it exists in our hearts and in uh, off Reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I kind of feel like we're leaving Travis out of this because a lot of the questions we got are about the writing. Well, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine being left out of answering questions. I just get to sit here and drink beautiful black PG Tips tea. <laughs> so the next one is from Lilith in the White Vault Facebook group. Uh, A lot of these questions did come from the Facebook group. Which character was the best to be written and the best to be acted? So again, I'm not sure if... It's a loaded uh, question. Well, it's it's not just a loaded question. It's a bit confusing because I don't really understand what the question is asking. But I think it means which character was my favorite to write and which one sounds the most like what I wanted. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Okay. So 
I really enjoyed writing all the characters. They're all very different. But from the perspective of uh, me as the creator, the character I enjoyed writing the most was uh, Rosa. And <laughs> the best to be acted, that's really loaded because I love our which one, Which one stayed closest to your vision for the character? Like you envisioned the character, we cast the character, you had some th- something to do with the casting of the parts, but which one sounded the most like the voice in your head? Well, people. that's also really loaded because for Jonas, we knew it was going to be Aethor. So that's what I heard in my head. Okay. Well, that's, so that's technically pretty... that's the best to be acted because I knew it was going to be him. Well, we can't tell people we wrote the part for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's um, a good actor. But, oh gosh, I mean, everybody's just done so wonderfully. The The woman who plays Rosa is Lani and Lani is just so talented. She's been a voice actress in this industry for so long and she... When we said, here's what we're going for, she was like, I've got this! And she's such a sweetheart and... Again, like just blown away every time I hear somebody really make the character come off the page. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. (laughs) All right. This one is from Snow on Twitter, and it is, will season two continue the story of the first season? Uh, Yes. We're not a, it's the phrase anthology. We're not an anthology series that goes from one story to the next we are one continuous story with uh, at least one current offshoot which is artifact and um, I guess the other little French episode that we did is also its own acquisition sort of acquisition that's its own thing but uh, we have a continuing storyline that we would like to think that the white vault the core podcast will follow absolutely so this is from the shadow remake on Twitter what inspired your opening lines, especially the travel is not advised line? I'm curious about this one because I keep hearing it every time. Almost everybody, regardless of where they live, has had some experience with something bad happening, weather related. If you live in the north with ice storms and snow, or if you live where we used to live in Florida and there's hurricanes, or you live where I used to live where there was tornadoes, or you live where we live now where there's earthquakes. There's always something. (laughs) There's always something. So that general like fear of mother nature is kind of universal. So travel is not advised turned out to be very effective. You told me an interesting uh, parallel one point or adage, I suppose it would be. Did I? You said that uh, any time the weather makes a memorable part of a journey is a great day. It's a journey made better. So by having these storms, uh, it really enhances the story. Because if they were in Svalbard and it was just kind of a nice, I guess, eternal night because it doesn't get the sun during that time of year. But if it wouldn't really be as interesting of a story if they walked out and it was just kind of quiet and, you know. Oh, oh yeah. Slushy steps. You always remember your vacations when the weather is memorable. Um, sometimes not for good reasons, but one way or another. <laughs> So the second part of this question from the Shadow Remake on Twitter is, secondly, what percentage of sound effects are stock versus custom Foley? That's, ooh, percentages, that's tough. <laughs> you have to bracket it into categories. I would say almost all of our ambiances, the bulk of them are pre-recorded things that I've found online or recorded myself when we were in Iceland. 
uh, but I, I don't know what that breakdown is. Also, there is... You just mixed together custom Foley and stock, so... Yeah, so much. It's <laughs> so intertwined because I'll use like uh, a stock sound of metal, but then I'll record my own metal impacts on top of it, so it gets really blended. I, I try not to just grab things off the internet, um, even if I'm paying for them, or just go with straight one sound. Like the, the bunker itself is an amalgamation of five or six different backgrounds. The sound of the generator, the sound of the uh, the fan, the sound of uh, two different types of wind. There's the sound. It's a recording of a boat that was going through the ice in the Arctic and all them together create just that one ambience. So it sounds like it's a, almost a 50-50 split. Ah. Uh, Probably like 70-30 original. It's really more in the editing than in the custom recording of stuff. But if you hear sound effects from people, those are all almost 100% homebrew recordings. All right. So our next one is from Melissa in the White Vault Facebook group. Hello, Melissa. Hello, Melissa. She's always very active in the group. Um, (laughs) What made you decide to start a podcast? And how did you find inspiration for your writing? So... Travis and I started our first podcast years ago now, and it was Liberty Critical Research. That's a funny story. That's a long story as well. So let's go short and sweet. Travis, say one sentence, and then I'll finish up with the second sentence. I had a story to tell in a specific world, but we thought it would be faster and more efficient to do it as an audio drama than a comic book, and it came out before the comic book. And then we found out while we were creating it that... It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So much fun. I really enjoyed writing and Travis really enjoyed the production and together we became Fool and Scholar Productions and became the team that makes The White Vault, Liberty, and more to come. Yes, so much more to come. So the second part was how do you find inspiration in your writing? Oh gosh, I love to read. I love to go on trips. Travis can can attest that when I go on a vacation, I have a thousand ideas but as soon as I'm at home and I'm just sitting locked away, I never come up with anything original. So I need to be reading and I need to be moving and I need to be seeing things. I can't just sit at a desk and have all these ideas come to me because that's not where life happens. So when we went to Iceland, that's when I got inspired to write not only some short anthology tales from the tower stories but also wrote the outline for what it would become the white vault tales from the tower being our other horror podcast. yeah the other horror podcast yeah i would say (laughs) we listen to a lot of horror podcasts whenever we travel we drove three thousand miles recently and we listened to it no sleep pretty much the entire way up and so many ideas but also you know seeing the purple mountains majesty the amber waves of crane oh uh, the badlands the badlands were amazing Uh, and, and some friends on the way, too. Uh, it, really inspiring. So travel is a huge inspiration, speaking as a third party, not being inside Caitlin's head, that I can just sort of see it. And uh, when you can't travel, reading takes you to other places, too, and gets your creative mind, the mind's eye, going somewhere else. That and known. this rolls very well over into the next question from Elizabeth on the White Vault Facebook page. Not the group, the page. Um, (laughs) We have a group that you can join uh, and chat with us. And there's a page which is separate. Yes. And that question is, what creepy or horror stories or books or authors influence your writing today? That's a good question. Yes, it is. I 
I, I love H.P. Lovecraft. I've read it. I've listened to it narrated. I've tried to watch some of the film adaptations, although the majority of them fall <laughs> so short because you can't, you can't bring a visualization to those things described as... Mind-breaking. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, anyways, uh, I really also enjoy the works of M.R. James, who I'm currently reading his works right now. If you have listened to Artifact, you should know that when I was reading M.R. James most recently, I was reading one of his stories uh, from short stories of an antiquarian, and I was flabbergasted because as I was reading it, I was like, this reminds me of Artifact. I should have read this before I wrote Artifact. It would have been inspiring, but I, I love M.R. James so far. It's been fantastic. H.P. Lovecraft has been fantastic. Didn't you read a lot of King at one point? I have read some King. It's hit or miss for me on some of those because I don't always find what other people find scary, scary. So some of them are hit or miss, but what I do really enjoy about his work is his books on writing. So actually getting into his head and how he faces being a writer and all of these things help influence not only what I write, but how I write. Next one is from Pasha on Twitter, and this one says, Will there be some romance in the second season? Ooh. I felt a hint of it in the first season before everything went south. <laughs> is it a spoiler to talk about this stuff? Season two? Yeah, it's a little spoilery. It's but a you little can, spoilery. You can maybe mention if there's romance. That could be a, a valid... Um, well, let's make the question more vague. In the okay. future future seasons, do we have any romance uh, plots or side plots uh, planned? Oh, yeah, because love and relationships are a big driver for many people and their actions. I'm going to go with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. The next one is from Rob, and this one is, will there be more Artifact? Uh, if you've listened to Artifact you would know that it's a complete story. That's true. So Artifact is 10 episodes long. It is a single season miniseries spinoff for The White Vault. It goes along with the story of The White Vault, although how it is connected is not revealed yet to our listeners. So Artifact is completed, but we are going to be creating more of those miniseries spinoffs in the future that will be available for our patrons. Now, we know a couple people have complained about exclusivity and stuff. The main show itself is completely free. It will always remain free. We'll always be putting out a lot. You don't have to listen to the side story or stories in the future to appreciate the main show. This is just a way for us being, you know, two people to actually make podcasting a more sustainable part of our lives. So we just wanted to say that ahead of time, there will always be free content from us on a biweekly basis. Yes. It's like if we were a coffee shop who gave out free coffee on the outside of the coffee shop but then we said if you want even more coffee types you can come inside and you can buy coffee types and then we'll steal but your teeth we still have free coffee outside and that coffee is still amazing yes exactly that was a weird analogy but there you go <laughs> um <laughs> question two from rob next one from rob is that haunted house preview what do we need to do to make that a thing I can have ASAP? What he's referring to on our Patreon feed again, sorry for bringing it up so often, uh, we put up a bonus episode. Don't to say a, bonus episode. A short 
excerpt from a possible show we were thinking of making, and it was called The House at Meyer Acres. We created the piece. We had some wonderful actors on it, some wonderful actresses, and we ended up not moving forward with the project because we didn't get the funding for the project. So it kind of got housed, but we decided, hey, we've spent time creating this really fun, short excerpt of this story. Let's give it to our patrons to listen to. And people really did enjoy it. It's creepy, because that's what I do. (laughs) And uh, what do you need to do to make that a thing? Sadly, the thing is money. Yeah, we we had a competition that was basically supposed to fund the creation of a podcast, and that would have been a paid gig for pretty much everyone. That's just the sad truth of life. But next up is any plans to branch out Oh, this is also by Rob. Any plans to branch out into an audio drama network? We have no plans to join a network. We have no plans to create a network at this time. We really like being ourselves, and it allows us to connect directly with people without putting advertisements at the beginning or, you know, middle of our shows, you know, right? And the murder is, you know, brought to you by Bomba Socks. (laughs) That's why, again, you guys are probably sick of hearing about Patreon and things like that, but our show has no ads in it. The White yeah. Vault, you turn it on, it begins the story. When it ends, the story's over. There's no ads. But we really would like to thank our sponsor, uh, Rode Microphones, for helping us sound as good as we do uh, this season. We would also like to thank that they didn't make us put ads between every episode or during every episode of the Millie episode. We've we, turned down opportunities. We've turned down opportunities we- for ads <laughs> and money because we think that the way we're telling our story is what keeps people hooked more and important. we don't want to lose you guys just so that we can advertise and get like a little a little bit here or a little bit there. We'd rather have amazing fans who believe that what we're creating is worth their time and sometimes their money so that we can keep creating it. So that's the thing about Audio Drama Networks. When we first started Liberty Critical Research, we were in a network and we actually left our network. So we're kind of free agent at this point, and we like it that way, because that also means that we can create amazing stories that come right from our brains, right through our computers, and right to your ears. Yes. So, all right. Next one from Rob. (laughs) So many from Rob. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. You're very nice. Ever thought about writing for the No Sleep podcast? I'm going to be honest here. I would love one day to have one of my stories on the No Sleep podcast. But that also means that in the past, I did submit stories, or actually just one so far, and it was rejected. And you know what? I went back recently and read over that story that I wrote a while ago, and it was complete crap. (laughs) So I'm really glad they did not accept it, because the writer I am today is mad at the writer I was before, (laughs) who thought that that was good enough to submit. So you know what? Next time when I actually have a good story... I'll submit that one, and we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, K.A. Stats' work have been published on Creepy, though. Yes, or, I have creepy. had some on Creepy. Creepy Pop. On the 31 Days of Horror. Next up, we have another one from Rob. So many. All right. What is the plan as far as how long The White Vault is going to go? Two, three, four seasons? As long as there's an audience? 
Is there an end game to the overall story or are you just creating a universe to play in forever? <laughs> we are not beating a dead horse in the end. We know how many seasons we want to go. I'm not going to tell you how many that is because it's kind of a spoiler-ish. Yeah, um, yeah, we have a tendency to cut series shorter. Yeah, as we know to. how long we want to go. We have the larger story arc in mind. We know where we want it to end for the story that you're thinking of as the White Vault. This doesn't mean that the world that I've created for the White Vault isn't usable in other stories, but it does mean that the story of the White Vault, as you as listeners would know it, would come to a specific end. Moving on. How many of my children do I have to give you or sacrifice to an elder god to make sure the White Vault is an opening act for the 2019 pod, No Sleep Podcast tour date in Oakland? <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, that's not really up to us. <laughs> if you have the ability to sacrifice children, then uh, you might be the have the ability to sacrifice a few dollars not just this person but everybody else like again we don't do ads and all that stuff so the problem is always going to be money especially because if we want to fly our crew from europe yeah, <laughs> to the u.s to perform the difficulties it of costs being an international some money <laughs> we had a hell of an amazing time doing the live show in New York for the No Sleep podcast. Incidentally, during a blizzard where travel was not advised. Yeah, during a blizzard when travel was not advised. And it was such an amazing experience. I got to, or we got to meet the people who are actually part of our team. We had met uh, Athor previously, but we hadn't met Kessie. We hadn't met him. It was ridiculous. Uh, I, I had never met Tanya as well. And it was amazing to meet them and to... <laughs> have an airbnb in jersey city and drink and laugh and then go and scare some people at a live show it was an amazing fantastic experience and thank you to everybody who came out to see it also a huge thank you to david cummings and the no sleep podcast for letting us be a part of the show and uh allowing us to actually do the thing and, and make uh friendships that'll last a lifetime all right so this next question is from hem on the White Vault Facebook group. Hem is actually the voice of the documentarian, so the woman who says travel is not advised. And uh, yeah, this just proves to you guys that we don't tell our cast a lot of the things that are going on because she still wants to know the answers to a lot of questions. So her first question is the chanting. How did you get the sound effects for that? Well... <laughs> It was a couple things. So the chanting itself was Caitlin and myself sitting down. We, uh, she wrote something out, a phrase or a couple phrases in a language. I don't remember what language, but it was a. It was a real. It was a real language. But then we also spliced it with a second language. I'm trying not to give stuff away. But then we spliced it, uh, and then we recorded it together. A different pitch. Dozen times. Yeah. And then we reversed all the recordings after they were all synced. And then uh, her notes in the actual <laughs> script, which are on the Patreon for free for anyone to go to. If you go to our page, you can see all the transcripts. 
and it says like, okay, there's a wet gurgling sound that's sort of animalistic and a guttural screaming and uh, all the things that she asked me to put in, I did. And I put it in like a little ring wraith shriek, I think at one point. <laughs> but anyway, it's all these sound effects put together with uh, chanting, which sounds not that scary when you realize it's just, you know, her and myself sitting, sweating our faces off in a small little closet somewhere. But it's a lot scarier when it all comes together. Her next question is, who is going to be the next actor you interview? So at this point, Ooh. we would have done the interview with Athor and the Athor. interview with Peter. We didn't really even know we were going to do these interviews, but then we were like, we're in Iceland. Let's go do an interview with Athor. And it turned out so fun and amazing. And then we did the interview with Peter, who, again, awesome guy and we played D&D with him and it's just great to get to talk to him so we were like okay let's do the interview it's an I, excuse to chat with him it's more. an excuse yes. to talk to people yeah I don't know we haven't we don't really have a way of choosing we just we don't just have a real do plan it. yeah <laughs> do you feel bad for saying I'm not a real person so this is the the internal joke we have about how the documentarian because the character doesn't have a name isn't a real person and you know what no i don't i don't feel bad about it at all <laughs> no we don't next question also by him there's three more by him when you write a script do you have people in mind already to voice the character or is it all based off of auditions for some people we had some we had somebody in mind we we knew we wanted Athor for Jonas, but everybody else was auditioned oh wait no no I don't think Peter really had to audition. I think we were writing it and we were like, this sounds like Peter in my head. <laughs> yeah, Peter is pretty perfect. Um, after we realized, well, she wrote the characters without names. They were just kind of like... Yeah, so I wrote it as like medic. So instead of it saying Dr. Rosa del Torre, it said medic. And instead of saying Walter Heath, it said technician. And company so, man. Yeah, and then Jonas is company man. So I, I write it without character names because I'm still figuring out who's who. And then when I got to the end and I'm like, I'm reading the script over in my head. Who do they sound like to me? And two of them I pretty much knew. And then the other ones were all based off of the auditions. And we had so many fantastic auditions. And then we chose... And keep in mind, they didn't know they were auditioning for the White Vault. Yes, nobody knew. <laughs> they were auditioning for a separate thing entirely uh, for a different podcast we're working on in Liberty Universe. Because it was sneaky. We're sneaky like that. <laughs> Next one from him. How many drafts slash edits do you think the script goes through before we get to hear it? Four. Or more. Four <laughs> or more. There's a lot. I can write something and then decide that the whole thing is crap next week and throw it away and restart. There's so. the Caitlin cut. Then there's the Travis gets to look at it briefly cut. Then there's the Caitlin second cut. Then there's the Emma Squita cut which is our friend Emma Squida. And then there's the final Caitlin cut. So minimum of four, but it, it usually five or more. And I can tell you that Caitlin girl, hmm, it's hard to get past her. <laughs> She's the worst. I know. Jeez. Uh, last one from Hem is, how long has the seed of this story been rattling around in your brain? I mean, hmm. it's not rattling around anymore. I've planted this Goram seed. <laughs> Beforehand, though, I actually came to this realization that I wanted to write The White Vault pretty fast. Yeah, it was like a week. It Remember was one that, week Travis? and then you had the script. 
You're like, I have, I'm going to tell you this thing. We're no, going, I didn't have a script. I had an outline. We're going to go on a dog walk and I'm going to tell you about this outline I have about people going and listening to a signal. We're going to call it signal for now. Oh yeah. The, the working title was signal, not the white vault. Uh, and for the longest time, it was just called Signal on my computer. I literally just changed it away from the White Vault like a month before we moved. Yeah, it has been Signal in our Dropbox. Oh. <laughs> so it actually was pretty fast. I just, I had this idea and we would go on our Fool and Scholar meetings, which were just dog, dog walks. <laughs> and I ran the idea by Travis and he was like, oh, okay, yeah, get it written down. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need to. Uh, so I wrote the outline and it was, it she was had the whole thing good. done in two weeks. It was good for first draft. Yeah. It was crazy. Well, it was good for a first draft. It had a lot of issues. And then you went to like hibernation for a month doing scientific research. I had a lot to research. All right. Our next question comes from Valentina in the White Vault Facebook group. Would it be possible to make a one-time purchase of extra episodes, such as Artifact, for people who can't do Patreon pledges every month, or bundles of an amount of episodes? Well, it's yes and it's no. Yes. So Patreon will not let you purchase individual pieces because that is not their work model. But we are working towards collecting Artifact and making it purchasable through possibly our web store so that you can go and download the full mp3 uh this means that you probably won't get it for a long time after it's already been available on patreon and you also don't get all of the other cool things like house at Meyer acres that patreon has but eventually you will be able to purchase and listen to the mini series spinoffs all right our next one is from james in the white vault facebook group for the White Vault, how have existing Arctic cultures, such as the Inuit or Thule, influenced or informed the underground slash subglacial village? So this one is a bit of a spoiler again if I answer it. I will say that I do pull on some traditional elements and the culturally effective and significant ways in which people have been able to survive but I cannot actually give away some of the information without giving away a lot more than I would like to. That's all I'm going to get to say. But I have done the research for the Thule and the Inuit. Uh, if you listen to Artifact, you'll see a little bit more of that as well. And That's all I can say about that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next one is from Phil in the White Vault Facebook group. I tried to back the White Vault on Patreon. For some reason, I was only getting info on Liberty. What's up with that? So we do seasonal releases. We don't release the White Vault forever. We don't release Liberty forever. Um, everything is available, but whatever we're releasing at the time is what you'll see more posts about. Well, it's also just important to note that because we are, our Patreon is for Fool and Scholar Productions, it's for the White Vault. It's also for Liberty. It's also for whatever we create in the future that is also a Fool and Scholar production because you're not just funding a single show. You're funding us as the creators creating multitudes of stories. So yeah, keep that in mind. And we create many, many fun things. We do. This one is from Raytheon, 
via Twitter. I'm curious about 3D sound in your production. I know everyone uses stereo, but I'd like to know if you'll be using some 3D sound tricks later to help add a feel for a room that the people in a scene are in. For an example, the people talking are normal, but you hear noises on the left. So I would say that we try to limit anything that would be going beyond two-dimensional sound, like panning left and right. When you get into 3D sound, most people don't listen with headphones that are super crazy. Uh, it's more often like a single earbud in one ear or a car stereo system. So I try and stay away from things that are get too complicated. Straighter and I typically work to pan things left, right, or you can also lower the volume to give you the illusion of uh, distance as well. So when they're marching through the snow and you hear someone hollering far away kind of quietly, it's us playing with volume, but it's not affecting a spatial 3D creation of sound, though your car stereo system, or sorry, your ears might interpret it as such. I, I really agree with what they've been doing. It's important that we don't try to use 3D sound in the majority of what we're doing because we don't want to exclude those people who listen in their car or who listen with one earphone in at work. It would be really aggravating to be listening to something and then suddenly not be able to hear half of the conversation just because you're not allowed to have both headphones in. So we want to make sure that people can have an ease of access to listening to our show. There have been a couple of shows that I really enjoy that use 3D sound, and it it affects different headphones and different sound systems differently. And it's usually not as pleasant if you don't have the, the full setup there. So we'll try and veer away from that. I mean, it can be wonderful. Oh, it is awesome. I've listened to some where I've had my headphones on, I've laid in bed, and I've just listened to the story. And it's actually spooked me with how incredibly accurate their footsteps sounded because I had my eyes closed and I like opened my eyes thinking that somebody was walking into my bedroom and it wasn't. But that's not going to work for some people. Most people aren't going to be like fully immersed in listening. They're going to be doing things in their daily lives. And we want to make sure that this is available for people. It also might require a software update from us. <laughs> All right. Our next question is from Jim on Twitter. It says, the teeth. Was this a historical reference based on a find or pulled from the imagination? It's a little bit of both, Jim. It's a little bit of both. <laughs> It's always teeth. All right. Our next question comes from James in the White Vault Facebook group. And it says, are there actually research rovers like the ones depicted in season one deployed in the Arctic? Well, James, kind of. Uh, <laughs> there are rovers with GPR capabilities made for exploratory and reconnaissance in polar ice sheet areas. Uh, whether any are deployed right now, I don't know. But if you would like to learn a little bit more about the types of rovers, you can look into the article in the Journal of Field Robotics titled Autonomous GPR Surveys Using the Polar Rover. I think they actually named one of the polar rovers Yeti, which I think is adorable. Uh, <laughs> more capable rovers are built like every year. Uh, they help researchers continue their work without putting people's lives in harm's way. So things like the autonomous solar-powered rovers have already been tested in the past and are moving forward, and some are already in use. So yeah, that's one of those really cool things that you should definitely look at. Uh, robotics rock, man. <laughs> robotics indeed rocks. Uh, from DJ at Patreon, 
With your podcast, do you have a set plan in mind for beginning and end, or do you just start the story with a protagonist and antagonist, 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 and let it develop organically and see where the characters land? Oh, I know what I'm doing. It's all plotted out. <laughs> so there's a similar question as well. I've always wondered how storytelling podcasts plan out their seasons. With podcasts like Tannis, maybe it's kind of a more vague direction, whereas Wolf 359 is very clear and defined storyline. So how do you plot seasonally? I sit down for hours and I bounce ideas off of my two bouncing boards, which are Travis and my best friend, Amsquita. And they will tell me if something that I had an idea for is complete crap, but I will sit down and I will try and think about what I want to happen because I know the beginning and I know the end. And what I have to do is find out what's going to happen in the middle. And I'm not going to start writing an episode and just assume I know where it's going. I don't just fly off like that. I will make sure that I have everything plotted. I will have an outline. And I will make sure that my story is consistent and that it makes sense. I will try so hard not to leave you with unintentional plot holes. But I will not answer every single question because that is not how my story works that was a good answer yeah from philip on twitter it says what was the character creation process like i think you have done a great job of building out believable likable yet flawed characters also how did you decide on the range of accents well first of all thank you for your kind words um (laughs) second what was the character creation process like is kind of tied into how did you decide on the range of accents. I've said this before in a couple of interviews, and I've had this conversation with Travis, that I really wanted to create people that were based on true-to-life experiences that I had had. So when I was at graduate school, I was in a class that was filled with people from around the world, and they were all entirely unique people who had their own interests in their own lives because that's what people are so when I was writing these characters I had these people in mind and how they are all complete individuals from around the world and what it was like being what it was like being in that room learning and studying and interacting with these people who came from a variety of different life backgrounds and who had completely different ways of looking at things. And I decided on the range of accents, not only because I knew I had some talented people that I wanted to include, but because I wanted to create something that felt international and didn't make you feel like every time you listen to something, it's not just Americans and British people who create all of these stories. And those aren't the only voices that should be heard There should be people from around the world, not only participating and telling these stories, but bringing their own kind of viewpoints and showing and representing all the different varieties of voices. The way I had written the characters, they came from specific backgrounds. If it was one person or another person voicing them, both of those actors or actresses would still have to be from that country or speak that language. But the way everybody speaks is going to be a little bit different. From character creation, though, I was creating people who had come together on this weird part of the world 
from walks of life that otherwise never would have converged. And I feel like that creates a very good representation of what it's like to walk into a bar, like an expat bar somewhere, and you see all of these different people. You should go into a story not knowing what's going to happen and not recognizing the characters and then learn and grow with them, not the complete opposite. Hey, Travis, want to know a secret? What's a secret? We're at our last question. What? Yeah. That's awesome. You ready? Ready for the last question. What prompted the move from Florida to Oregon? Oh, for yeah. us personally, because we just went through a 3,000-mile move. Yeah, so we uh, we finally drove across the country. Um, I've, I've never wanted to live in Florida. I went there for college uh, because I got some really good scholarships. Um, I don't enjoy Florida. I'm very happy to be out. We chose Portland because we've been here a few times. We actually got stuck here during a hurricane last Irma. year. Hurricane Irma, yeah. And it was it's so nice to be here. The the weather, the culture, the people, the activities, everything is is wonderful. It's really cool up here in Oregon. And physically cool, like we're in the attic right now and it's only 78 degrees <laughs> as yeah, opposed to that's... our little closet where it was 78 degrees with the AC on full blast. So we we really look forward to getting to know Portland better. We look forward to making friends and going out and seeing what there is to see and I cannot wait to go hiking and I want to do so much stuff here. It's just... It's good. It feels nice. <laughs> well, I, for one, uh, I like Florida, but I do like Oregon better. I was here when I was really little, and uh, I've always wanted to come back. So I'm really happy to be up in Oregon because it's pretty cool. And actually, uh, now that we're at the end of the QA section of this episode, we have one last thing for you. It's very special. Uh, it is uh, selling Ledford Manor. Please enjoy. Fool and Scholar Productions and Polarity Audio Works present Selling Ledford Manor, written by K.A. Stats. When she gets here, all will be well, Ernest. Mr. Platt, it's not as though when she arrives, Ledford Manor will magically become a sellable estate. She's a spiritual exorcist, Ernest. It will magically become a sellable estate. That's the point of it all. So how do we approach it then? Welcome to Ledford Manor! Until just half an hour ago, this wonderfully charming 1860s gothic revival was home to a ghost. Well, keep the first part. Certainly not the last. But you know... Madame Dolores should be here any moment. Wait, Mr. Platt, where are you going? You don't expect me to dwell in a haunted place, do you, artist? With my poor heart? As the junior agent, I'm sure you're plenty excited to place such a profitable sale under your belt. You're leaving me here, alone? I get full commission? Well, I'll take a small percentage for listing and uh, administration fees, but... It would be your greatest take-home so far. And you won't be alone long. Cheers, Ernest. Let's get Ledford Manor 
Let's. Yes. Well, then, one last walkthrough before the exorcist and viewer. Such a lovely manner, nothing flippin' frightening at all. Kitchen in good repair for age. A few updates and it'll suit any residents. Leaky faucet, it seems. Stubborn thing. Oh, just stop it. I know it's you. Right then. Rage original hardwood floors, just a bit noisy. Nothing some nails couldn't fix. Yes, get it all out now before the potential buyers arrive, or at least be useful. Go blow some dust off the crown molding or something. Stop shaking the chandelier at once! The buyers will think there's a draft. Put it back. Now. Well, that was unsettling, but thank you. Madame Dolores? Yes, and please, call me Madame Dolores. I... well, I... yes. I'm Ernest Harper, Madame Dolores, and you're running slightly behind schedule. We have a viewing of Ledford Manor in under an hour, so please move right along, do what you do, and excise this ghost. Hmm, I can feel the strong spiritual currents in this place. Cold. Salty. Is it too noticeable? I can turn the heater on, light a few scented candles. <gasps> upstairs. It's calling me upstairs. Good. Yes. Up we go, getting to the root of the problem. <gasps> I can hear it. The wayward spirit. The depth of this place. Ledford Manor. An unquiet resting place. The house falls on a spiritual ley line of blooming power. Like satellite Wi-Fi? Is this a coveted feature? 1860s Gothic revival estates, strong ley lines, an excellent public school? The family plot. Oh, a garden once, now a grave. Yes, the Ledford family plots. It's disclosed in the paperwork. Closed eyes beneath the earth. Plots overrun, forgotten. Decades of unkempt blood roses bloom. The mature blooming rose garden. Certainly a plus. <gasps> Here. This place. This is the epicenter of the haunting. The master bedroom? Many foul things have befallen the lives within these bedroom walls. What happens between two consenting adults in their bedroom is really not ours to judge, Madame Dolores. Ooh, she's early. Madame Dolores, please work quickly and quietly. Hello, 
you're early. Nice to meet you. I'm Ernest Harper. Nice to meet you. I'm Harper Hammond. A rather a nice name you have. I could say the same. Please, call me Ernest. Thank you, Ernest. Mind if I come in? Oh, well, I thought perhaps we'd take in the Ledford Manor grounds, seeing as you're early. There really is a lot to see, even a wonderfully mature rose garden. Perhaps later? The rain is coming down in sheets. I would prefer to start inside. Sorry, it closed so fast. Um, it must have caught a draft. No trouble. Those doors are sturdy and solid. What was that? In such an old house, there's a few plumbing problems to be expected. Another interested party is currently examining the upstairs. Perhaps she's checking the taps? Oh, okay. Well, this foyer is magnificent. The crown molding's a bit dusty, but that's to be expected. Oh, look at the fireplace. A thing of beauty. Uh, what was that? Oh, perhaps the winds blew something outside. Never mind that. If you like the fireplace, you may enjoy the aesthetic of the dining room's chandelier. Why are all the chairs piled up on the table? You, you must excuse me. I was sweeping up earlier and I must have forgotten to put them back down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've a talent for it. I've never seen a chair balance on one leg before. Seems precarious, though. Yes, certainly so. So, let's move on to- Speaking of the chairs, um, do the furnishings come with this house? It would be a pity to separate the stylized pieces from the manor. I'm sure we can include the furniture with the offer. If you really enjoy this antique, Morosite et Sinistros de Cour, I'm sure the estate holders would be glad to see the furniture stay with the manor. Well, then where to next, Ernest? There's a sitting room around the corner. A bit in disrepair. With a home this old, it is to be expected. Exactly. Nothing we cannot attend to with tools, paint, and some old-fashioned elbow grease. Yes, yes, I'm sure that with enough hard work, sage smoke, and YouTube tutorials, you could really turn this place around. What was the second one? Well, dear Lord, is she all right? Oh, I told her not to test the hot water on full blast. The water heater is top-notch. No worries, I'll go check on her. Feel free to look around. Carefully. Madame Dolores? Well, don't just stare. Get me down. What are you doing on the ceiling? This is not my doing. Now, help me. Let me just, uh... Here, grab the broom handle. Are you holding on to something? You aren't coming loose. Pull harder. Oh, of course. I'm not trying my hardest to dislodge you from your gravity-defying state. Just grab hold. We can't have Mrs. Hammond seeing you up there. Is everything all right up there? Oh, 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 everything's fine. She's an older woman, reminiscing over some antiques, memories of loved ones. Very emotional. Very private. No need to come upstairs. The library! Take in the wonderful architecture of the library. I'll be down in just a moment. Well, okay. Help me up. Well, you're down. How is the exorcism progressing? This spirit is stubborn. He's been here for too long. 
He doesn't want to leave. It is a freehold on the house. What can be done? Ledford Manor is my responsibility to sell. I can look around. There may be other spiritual epicenters in the house. What? What does that even mean? Who's that now? Just do it. Fix it. Coming, just a moment. Oh, I've got it. Hello? Hello. I, uh, I saw the sign down the drive, the, the manor for sale. Yes, hello. I'm Ernest Harper. Are you interested in the Ledford Manor? Oh, I'm the neighbor from down the lane. I wanted to warn you about the dead... Deadly car accident on the lane a few nights ago. Yes, such a horrible occurrence. Oh, how dreadful. Oh no, about the murder. Murderously wonderful parties hosted by the previous owners. And with such a great layout, who wouldn't host in this house? Really, sir, I must insist. Oh, we're taking up too much of your time. I agree. Thank you for stopping by. Make good speed back home. It's a downpour out there. Goodbye now. Well, the neighbors seem nice. Oh, I can't do it, Mr. Harper. The spirit is stubborn. It wants me gone just as much as I wish to leave. Good day. A spirit? Like a ghost? When were you planning on telling me this? Soon. Soon. Madame Dolores was just having a chat with it until recently. Really, though, a ghost can be so helpful. They can help clean. Great for rearranging interior decor. And never a hot day with a ghost by your side. Has it ever hurt anyone? No. <laughs> Oh, certainly not. Blows some wind, stacks the chairs, all very mundane. Well, I guess at the age of the house. Yes, and he's been good company to me while I've been here. Wait, a he? I'll not have my home tormented by some undead voyeur. No, 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 please don't go, Mrs. Hammond. Good day, Mr. Harper. Well, fudge. What? What is your plan? What kind of ghost are you without someone to haunt? Perhaps an old wealthy spinster? A whole family? A child who thinks you're an imaginary friend? If you don't control yourself, you'll end up alone for the rest of your un-life. And I won't get my commission! So what's it gonna be? <sighs> there. See? Not so hard. Now if you really want to help, Blow the dust off those crown moldings. Selling Ledford Manor was written by K.A. Stats and co-produced by Sarah Buczynski and Travis Vengroff. It stars Daniel Demerin, Sean Francis, Sarah Werner, Caitlin Stats, and Sean Howard, with music by Travis Vengroff and sound design by Sarah Buczynski. This is a collaboration between Fool and Scholar Productions and Polarity Audio Works, copyright 2018. 
For links to additional productions, please check out the show notes. Thank you for listening. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.